Hello, it's so good to be home. Yay. Um, I think that's the best intro my dad's ever given me <laughs> in my whole life. No, um, it's, no genuinely, um, I'm always telling dad, you get all these guests, when are you going to get me to come? Because like, I just want the excuse to come here and just be with family, really, not even to speak. So being able to speak is an honour, but just being able to be home is a really beautiful Christmas gift, actually, as we're heading into that season. So like just seeing faces like Lyndon and Christine and the Cordons and Ross and Ellie and just so many other people and the chapels. Oh, my goodness. Just And John. Oh, so beautiful. So you guys are my Christmas gift this week. So thank you. Um, I'm very much looking forward to sharing the word. But before we do, and I don't think you guys who know me would expect anything else, I thought I'd do a little game. Is that okay? Awesome. So I've already, I've already picked my people. I need Tom, Ben, Samuel and Nathan up here. So you've got no choice. So Samuel, come up. And I've got this game. I've planned it. I've really planned it. And so I'm actually pairing... Um, sorry, I'm putting Tom and Ben against each other. And before the service, I was like to Ben, I'm like, who would you want on your team? I was like, Samuel or Nathan? And he was like, give me Samuel. And then I asked Nathan, who would he want? And <laughs> Nathan was like, if it was video games, I'd want Ben, but give me Tom. <laughs> and so, they <laughs> so I'm going to put Samuel with Ben <laughs> and Nathan with Tom. And what we're going to do is that Ben and... Um, sorry, this is Ben, this is Tom. I want you to hold your partners and put like their hands around them. <laughs> so you're almost hugging them from behind, right? Okay, and the aim of this game, you can come a bit closer because Dad wants this on screen. Come a bit closer. Yeah. All right, so the aim of this game is for... Stop, 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 stop. All right, so Ben and Tom, your aim of the game is to... Like, you're meant to hold them back as strong as you can. And for Nathan and Samuel, your job is to break free and make it over here. Does that kind of make sense? So the game is essentially that... Yeah, well, yeah. So Ben and Tom need to work really hard at holding them. Apparently, you need to make a few more steps this way because they want it on camera. But this is great to have. And Samuel and Nathan, you're actually against each other. And we're going to see who really is the strongest. Um, yeah, in a non-violent way. You guys need to break out from the arms of those holding you. No, you can't do that, bro. All right. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Three, <laughs> this is amazing. Two, one, go. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is, is someone filming this? <laughs> so good, they're so strong. <laughs> I don't know if this is ever going to lose. <laughs> This is so good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you got 10 seconds otherwise. Tom and... Oh. <laughs> Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> that was incredible. 
So <laughs> the point of that game, you might ask, <laughs> that would be nice, right? There is none. It was just fun. No, no there was. There was. I... <laughs> I've been thinking a lot this week and we were actually doing that activity with like some young people in a school and obviously like we, there was Christmas trees everywhere because we're in the Christmas season and I saw it um, and it was almost twofold because I almost like felt God saying this is how tightly I hold on to my people um, but then there was the other twofold of saying but I want I, as in God saying I almost want you as in me being hold to push that hard to give me to someone else and so there was this really beautiful God holding on like he's fighting for us like he just wants us in his arms but then he's like I'd also want you as a child of God to fight so hard to give me to someone else because he is the gift that keeps on giving like he's not just the gift for ourselves, but he's the gift for so many people um, and there's just something really special about that and I guess in my message today which I really felt God make me change this morning was what is this gift that we have and who are we giving it to who who are we sharing it to? Um, and so we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 8, verse 26 to 40. So if you have your Bibles, you can read with me. Otherwise, you can look at the screen. But let me pray first. Dear Jesus, I just thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for the love that is just so beautiful that you share with every single person. God, I thank you that you have a love that just holds on so incredibly tight. And it's the same love that is for everyone else. And Lord, I just pray that we would know that deeply, God, and that we would be inspired to share you to those around us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen, Amen. All right, so verse 26 from chapter 8 of Acts. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandak, which means queens of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. 
but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Aztos and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Um, this story has very quickly become one of my favourite stories in the Bible for a very beautiful for a very beautiful reason, which you'll soon hear. But just for some context, as um, as I continue reading and going into the depths of this story, we're in a season where Philip is in Samaria, 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 however you want to say it, and everyone is coming to faith there, right? Like everyone knows about Jesus. It's very rare that he would have bumped into someone who did not know Jesus where he was, yeah? People were rejoicing, celebrating, oh my gosh, I love Jesus, yes, and be like, oh, have you heard about Jesus? And, you know, they're like, yes, he's, like here's the good news. He is the gift for all, and everyone knew about Jesus, and people People would come to faith so easily because they would have just recently seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like it was, Philip would have just been in his element, like just, you know, very confidently going wherever he would find himself. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears, appears to Philip and says, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so in this story, we actually see that it was God who first prompted Philip to go somewhere that he had never been before. That it was God who first called Philip to go meet someone because God had planned someone to come to know Jesus. It was God that prompted Philip to go. And the first question that I have for us this morning is, do we hear God's voice telling us to go? Do we hear him asking us to step out in faith? Now, we might not hear an angel of the Lord or see an angel of the Lord appearing to us physically saying, go to the desert road. That would be cool. Um, But we might hear the spirit of the Lord in our hearts saying, go, go south to that road. And the interesting part about where Philip is being sent is that he is being sent to a desert. What do we know of a desert? Yes, it is dry, barren, no water, there is no plant life. I was recently in Adelaide and they were like, no faith, it's plant life. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, But like there's no life there. It is a desert, absolutely barren. And yet the angel of the Lord appears and says, go to a desert. And, may, and I wonder, do we go into our workplaces, into town, into school, wherever we might find ourselves, do we go into these places and feel that maybe we have walked into a desert? And what I mean by that is, do we walk into a place and feel like we have walked into a spiritual desert? Because we can be here in a beautiful house of God and know that this is rich of God's spirit. We can go to places where we think about Christmas and we worship with friends and family and all these things and we know that God dwells in this place. But then we can go into the world and feel like it's a spiritual desert and we can tell that people don't know God here. And where Philip is being called is to a spiritual desert because where um, he was going in Ethiopia would have been considered the ends of the earth at that time. Where Philip was, where everyone knew about Jesus, it was very, um, uh, what's the word, it was very populated, you know, people were there and everyone knew about Jesus and where he was going, this journey that he was asked to go on was a place where not many people knew about Jesus or didn't know much about 
Jesus. And so he was sent to a spiritual desert. And so we hear God called Philip into this desert, and I want us to look at verse 27. And it says, So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queens of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. So we have this very interesting and complex character in the Ethiopian and Philip had just gone on a huge journey to go find him. Now, who's ever driven from Melbourne to Townsville before? Anyone? Ooh, yay, I love having someone. How long? A few days. Any other guesses? Yeah. Four days, yeah, crazy. So actually, on a chariot, it would take you three months. I know, it would literally take you three months. So the Philip of the Lord appeared to Philip, which makes this even more crazier, and sends him on a three-month journey to go find this eunuch to a desert. So he would have been sweaty. He would have been like just really thirsty as he's on this journey trying to find this man that he was sent to go meet. And God sent him to go meet this interesting and complex character. And he is interesting and complex for three reasons. And one of them would have, one of them is, is that to Philip, this Ethiopian man would have looked different. He would have seen this man and he would have looked different. He would have looked different because where um, Philip was originally, everyone would have been really olive skin color, kind of like me. Ish, you can't see it from there, you know, but I, I'm olive, I'm olive, trust me. Um, it's my Italian genes. But he would, you know, everyone over there was incredibly olive skin, like a bit darker. But then where Philip got sent to meet an Ethiopian, they were incredibly darker in skin color. And so for Philip, he would have been confronted with a man who looked incredibly different. And I wonder for us, is there someone in our world that looks incredibly different? And I wonder if maybe God is sending you, prompting you to talk to a person who looks incredibly different. It could be their skin color. It could be their hair. Maybe you think they, you know, they're not cool because they've got a mullet because who has one these days? You know, maybe, maybe they look different because of the way that they smile or they look different in the way that they act. Who knows? But they look different. Another thing that Philip would have been confronted by when he met this eunuch was that he would have felt intimidated by the eunuch. He would have felt intimidated by the eunuch because the eunuch was an important official. He was in charge of the queen's treasury, of its dowry, right? And so I don't know if you've ever come across an, like, an official before and been like, I should be really careful here because they could end me like that. Like, have you ever come across a powerful person and just automatically felt intimidated, right? I used to be like that with my dad, but not anymore. But, you know, who is someone that you have come across? Maybe it's a police officer. You know, it's like when you're driving and you're quite feeling quite confident and all of a sudden you see a car and you're like, yep, I better be good now. You know, it's that kind of feeling. But Philip would have felt really intimidated by this man. Yeah, he would have felt intimidated. Maybe it's the popular person at school for those of us who are at school. Maybe it's the CEO at your workplace, but someone who you're like, man, 
very intimidating. And I wonder again if God is prompting you to talk to that person who might just be intimidating. The eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, was also an outcast. He was an outcast. Why was he an outcast? Because he was a eunuch. What is a eunuch? Yeah, all the men laugh. (laughs) Yeah, sad day for you guys. Um, See, he was an Ethiopian eunuch. It was a man who's castrated, for those who don't know. Um, And so when a a man becomes a eunuch, uh, he is automatically an outcast, someone who has been deemed to have no worth, to have no value, someone who is cast aside. An outcast is someone who's not been seen by the community. And I just wonder if there is someone in our world who is an outcast. That might be the poor person down the street. That might be the person who is bullied in your school. That might be the person who is taken advantage of. I don't know, but I wonder if there's an outcast in your world that God might be prompting you to give the gift of Christmas this year. And so we have this interesting and complex character in the Ethiopian eunuch who was different, who was intimidating, and also an outcast. And I wonder if one of those three type of things that Philip was confronted by might be someone in our world that God wants us to go talk to. And God is sending Philip to this person who looks different, who is intimidating and is an outcast because he had made a plan for the eunuch to find God. And so let's see what happens in this story from verse 29. It says, The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah. So the thing that I love about that first verse is that Philip, um, sorry, that the Spirit told Philip to go to that chariot and stay near it. He actually had to go near it, right? And he had to get near it so he could get close enough to hear what was going on so that he could have a way into the conversation, so that he could have a way to invite Jesus into the conversation. And I just wonder that in our circles, where it's our friendship circles, family circles, whatever it is, if we just got close enough to hear what was going on, we might actually have a way into the conversation, yeah? We might have a way to mention the name of Jesus. And so who is that person? And it was only by Philip getting close enough to hear to know that he was actually reading Isaiah the prophet, for him to be able to yell out, do you understand what you are reading? Like he was close enough to hear, he had his way in the conversation. Now we might not see someone sitting, you know, on the step reading a Bible, you know, that might not happen, but we might have a friend who confides in us and says, I'm really worried about my relationship with my husband, it is breaking down. I don't know if we're going to last. And then you are actually able to say from that because you've got close enough to hear to say, that sounds really tough. I wonder if I could pray for you. That sounds really tough. I wonder what I could do to help you. Maybe there's someone in my church community because it could really help you here. I wonder if there are people in our world or someone in the street that God's saying to go close enough to hear so that you have a way into the conversation. Yeah. 
And it's more than just spending time with that person to getting to the point where we're so close enough to hear about what is going on that we then, if we read into verse 30, it says, Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, How can I? He said, Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Here's what I love about this, is that Philip actually took a risk with what he heard from being close enough to hear what was going on. Now, this um, chariot wouldn't have just stopped for Philip. Philip would have been a nobody. After all, it's like the tra- it's the um, queen's chariot. I'm kind of envisioning like the chariot to look like um, a Cinderella carriage, you know? Um, it's really like, you know, the seats are red velvet. There's jewels in, it, in there. Like, it's a stunning chariot, right? right? And Philip is seeing this chariot. And again, the chariot wouldn't have stopped for Philip. It wouldn't have. So literally, Philip would have been running along to keep up with the chariot. Literally, like it wouldn't have stopped for him. And so he's running. And I imagine he's getting all sweaty like I am now because like, you know, he's trying to like keep up with it. And he wouldn't like in the, like the I don't know, the window, the gap in the carriage, you know, it would have been a bit higher, so it's kind of like this, like I'm just imagining this full, like, picture of him trying to hear what's going on, and he hears something, and he literally would have yelled out, do you understand what you are reading? Like, literally yells out, do you understand what you are reading, and then what do we see? We see the chariot stop, and the eunuch's reply to be, how can I, unless someone explains this to me, so he invited Philip to come at up and sit with him. And it reminds me of that passage in Romans 10, 14 to 15, and it says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And I love that because how will the world hear about Jesus unless we tell them? How will they know about the love that we sang about this morning unless someone tells them about it or loves them the way that Jesus loves them? How will the world know? Verse 36 says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I love that because there was something in that conversation that got the eunuch to the point where he said, oh my gosh, there is water. What can stop in the way of me getting baptized? Now, obviously, we know from the scripture that we've read that um, Philip explained that passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading and then went on to tell the good news of Jesus. And so that's, I would have just loved to have heard it word for word to be like, what did you say that got him in that moment to be like, I need to be baptized? What will stop me from that happening? It is so exciting, such a beautiful story of what it looks like for a conversation with someone that originally started from the Spirit of the Lord prompting Philip. Um, Last year I was in Queensland and um, I was on a holiday and I was at the airport coming home and there was um, 
the, what do you call it, the waiting room kind of area. And um, I just see this lady, she's like at the far right and she was like just sitting down and she was just highlighted to me. Nothing happened, I just noticed her more than I would notice, you know, the next person and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and then, you know, they, they say that the flight's boarding so I'm on the plane and um, I'm at the front of the the aisle, I guess, and I'm like going, walking, trying to find my seat. And I see this lady again on the far right. And I notice her again and she smiles from far that way. And I'm like, ah, you know, all nice. And then um, who's sitting next to me? This lady right next to me. She's sitting next to me. And um, God's like, talk to her. And in that moment, I'll confess, I had planned to watch two episodes of um, Vampire Diaries. Like, I downloaded it. I was ready to zone out the world, right? Like, I was so tired. And God's like, talk to this lady. And I'm like, okay. And so I sit with this lady, and she's telling me her whole life story. And, you know, she was, um, she was married, got divorced. She got remarried to a guy who's in the military. She was going to Melbourne to somebody to visit who, her um, mum. Um, and she was just telling me a bunch of things, and she was like, oh, what do you do with yourself? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a youth pastor, which is what I was at the time. And she was like, oh, she goes, aren't you meant to wear, like, a robe or something like that? And I was like, no, we don't need to dress like that anymore. And she was like, oh, okay. And the conversation kind of died down, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, where's that going? And... I'm like waiting and then like she bends down to her bag and she grabs this book and God's like the book. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, oh, what's this book you're reading? And she was like, oh, it's the key to happiness. I've read it five times. You should read it. And I was like, oh, I've actually already read, I already know what the key to happiness is. And she was like, really? I was like, yes, why am I a youth pastor? And so I shared my story with her and I said, you know, I, I, um, I, like I grew up in, you know, different settings and, um, Youth and church were my safe place. And from that moment, I wanted to make sure that I created safe places for youth and young adults so that they could come to know Jesus. And I shared the gospel message with her, and she was like, wow, I always wondered about God. And I was like, would you like to accept Jesus into your life? I actually don't think it's a mistake that you and I are sitting together. And she said, I would love to. And so on the plane, um, thank God the person next to me, because I was in the middle and she was on the window seat, had headphones on, so he, you know, he wasn't going to interrupt the moment but or maybe he would have been saved too who knows um but so I'm sitting with her and I hold her hands and you know I pray for her um and she accepts Jesus into her life and I was like you know what this is amazing I was like I'm from Melbourne obviously you're in Queensland I'd love to get you connected into a church um because you know that's going to help you as you start this journey so I connected her with the church and I stayed in contact with her three months later she got baptized and now we're like over 18 months her whole family goes to church she runs a connect group in her home and she loves Jesus so so much um and I, I love that story and then the one of the eunuch because all of those um, moments in time where it led to someone coming to know Jesus all stemmed from God prompting. And I think in the, you know, the Christian world, we get so um, maybe intimidated even by sharing our faith to someone. We feel like we need to know the every answer. We feel like we need to maybe Bible bash someone or whatever, but... It's actually a natural 
um, conversation. And it all starts by us being open to the Spirit of the Lord so that we can hear his prompting. And then getting close enough to hear what is going on for us to invite Jesus into someone's story. And I really felt like God wanted me to share this, particularly this morning coming into Christmas, is because on Christmas Eve, we have, um, you guys have your Christmas Eve service, and I really felt like God was going to talk, maybe it's just one person, I don't know, but I felt like God was going to prompt someone to invite someone to that Christmas Eve service, and they're going to come to know Jesus and be saved. And I really believe that. And so I'm going to be expecting a text from dad to tell me, Faith, you would never guess it. And I just really felt like it needed to be shared. And for us to maybe not feel like sharing our faith with someone is this massive intimidating thing. But potentially there is someone in our world that God's intentionally placed us to be so close that we can hear what is going on for them to invite Jesus into the conversation. Um. Uh, in October last year, two, one of my high school friends was getting married and she asked me to officiate the wedding. And it was really beautiful and I've known her since primary school and this beautiful relationship. And then the last six months I hadn't really heard, of, heard from her. And so three weeks ago I messaged and I was like, are you home? I'm coming over. And she's like, oh, I'm actually at my mum's, which is around the corner from my house. I'm like, oh, I'm coming over. She was like, that happened fast. And I was like, yep. And so, like, I ran over. We, normally it takes hours before we get a reply with each other. Um, anyways, and I got there, and her dad quickly comes up to me, and he gives me this massive hug. And he was like, Faith, I've been praying that you would come here. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, and so they all, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what was happening. And so, like, there was pizza, and she had the kids there, and it was this whole thing. Um, and then, like, I'm just waiting for everyone to leave so I could, you know, be like so what's going on and she finally tells me and she's like you know I've actually separated um from my um from Andrew and I didn't want to tell you because you only just married me like last year and I was really embarrassed and they've been together for like 12 years like since I was in high school um and like she just went into this state of depression after it and she's got all these health problems and it's this full thing and she was just like I didn't I knew if I told you I would have had to like face that reality and I was just like um, I'm so sorry. I was like, you know, I'd love to pray for you. Is that okay? Knowing this girl since primary school, never had that opportunity. And she starts crying and she was like, I'd actually love you too. Um, and so in that moment, I prayed for her. Um, and I was just like, you know, we've got this. Her and I started boxing together because she needed to get out of the house. Me doing boxing, can you imagine? Um, anyway, it's not a pretty sight, let me tell you. Um, but so we started boxing it was funny, actually, I'd sex Samuel. He doesn't talk to me about it anymore. Because of all the gyms I have found, five Western Bulldogs players train there. And I called Samuel and I was like, dude, Jamar is here. Whiteman is here. It is amazing. And he's just like, don't talk to me. And he hung up the phone. Because um, he was just so jealous. And like, these guys are huge. I'm going on a tangent. But these guys are huge, right? Like, and I'm in this boxing class and my friend gets paired with one of them, right? Normally her and I are paired together and he breaks us all up. And I'm like, what are you doing? Anyway, so she gets paired with this footy player who's like strong and sweaty and you know muscly and 
And the, the, for that segment, right, you had to hold the, um, like the, the bag and then like while the, person, the other person punches, right? And so my friend Alana, she's holding the bag and she's like, I've never had to use my legs in this part of the thing. But he was so strong and he was like, boom, boom. And she's like, Ugh. like, you know, and she's trying really cool to look like, yeah, I'm strong. I've got this, you know. And really her legs are like quivering and she's dying while she's like holding this punching bag. Anyway, this is funny. Um, but... <laughs> I can't even remember why I said that. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, so like I started boxing with her because, you know, she needed to get out of the house, exercise, all this type of thing. Um, and then a week later, she calls me and she was like, you'd never guess what just happened. And I was like, what? And she was just like, Andrew just messaged me and said, I really want to work on this. Let's um, get into counselling and move back in with me in a couple of weeks' time. And I was like, that is so good. And she was like, Faith, you pray that would happen before Christmas. Um, and I just, I love the testimony of Jesus in that moment. And, you know, it's this thing that I'm constantly going to have this conversation with and be like, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And one day she'll come to know Jesus. But again, it all came from me being in a space, being close enough to hear what was going on for me to invite Jesus into a conversation. It wasn't from me being, you know, in the middle of the streets and being like, Jesus loves you and hoping someone comes to know Jesus that way. Like, you know, I'm sure it happens, but like, come on. Um, but, and you know, you know, Dad was saying in um, prayer this morning, like he was just saying, people are hungry to know Jesus. And I think more so than ever, and I feel like there is such a, um, a rich harvest that we're about to reap because the soil is ready, the soil is soft. And what I love about when Jesus prompts us to talk to someone is that it's actually a sign that he's already done the work on the soil. When God's asking you to actually go out, it's because he's worked on that soil, he's just waiting for someone to speak the name of Jesus so they can hear and there will be a harvest because he's worked on the soil. And so for us this morning, who is that person? And it could be someone we actually don't know. 100% it could be. It could that be the person in the street. I know for me, every single time I'm on the plane now, I challenge myself, ooh, who is the person? Like, how cool? I just think it would be really cool. Like, imagine that's the place all these people become saved. That would be great. Um, but like every time I'm on the train, I'm like literally like, who is the person is the person? I was in South Australia two weekends ago. I was on the flight home and I was like, okay, this guy next to me, he smelled really bad, but I didn't mind. And um, he really did. It was so awkward. Um, and it wasn't even like I was on the aisle seat. I was on the window seat. So I was just stuck in his smell. And like I was waiting and I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? And he's just like, and I'm like, okay, don't get Jesus, you know, <laughs> like. Um, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm just being nice. I don't know. Yeah, you get me. Anyway, so like if the team wants to come up, um, oh, why not? Yeah. Or, you know, why wouldn't we? Get a strum. I'll get Samuel can strum. Samuel can strum. Why don't we all stand up? Um, and I just wanted to give a moment for us to maybe reflect and see if there's someone that God prompts you to speak the name of Jesus to. Because again, how will they know unless someone explains it to them? How will they know unless someone preaches to them? And so for us this morning, I wonder, is there someone in our world 
and God's already placed them there who looks, who might look different, who might be an outcast or might seem intimidating or maybe you'll actually find them during this week where someone opens up to you and you know they need the message of Christmas and you have a way to invite them to the Christmas Eve service where they will have an opportunity to know Jesus, to know the gift that we find in him this year. And so let's just take a couple of minutes, close your eyes while Samuel's strumming along and see if there is someone the Spirit of the Lord prompts on your heart to talk about Jesus. God, I just want to pray to you this morning. God, you don't need us, but you choose to use us as your vessels. And God, I just pray that we would be open to your spirit this morning, that we would be open to your prompting, God, that might just tell us to go say hello to someone, that might just tell us to go really close to that person, potentially text a person that seems really random to see how they are because there is a conversation that you are planning on being had. And so, Lord, would you make us open to knowing who that po person is or the place for when we are meant to speak your name. God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to step out and take a risk like Philip did, God. And Lord, I want to thank you in advance, God, for the testimonies that we are going to hear, God. And I pray for a blessing over the Christmas Eve service, God. I pray that this house would just dwell with, with you so richly, God. And obviously we know that you are here, but I just pray for such a richness of you in this atmosphere as people come to know who you are, God. And that people would come home and know the love that we know so deeply. And so, Jesus, we give you all honor and all glory. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.